0: Storytelling inspires, engages, and moves people to action. It's a superpower that anyone can learn. Welcome to Story Powered with your host, Leanne Pico. Stories can hold you back, and stories can move you forward. Let our program help you activate your storytelling superpower and take your business to the next level. Now, here is Leanne Pico.
1: Hello, and welcome to Story Powered. I'm Leanne Pico, your host. Thanks so much for being here today. I have been looking forward to this show all week. I am really excited because we are talking storytelling and organizational learning. And quite honestly, those are two of my very favorite subjects. So I'm, I'm delighted to um, have found a really great guest to talk about those things with me. Uh, but before we dive in, I wanted to say thanks to my guest from last week, Ava Snyder's Ava is the general manager and chief storytelling officer for Ogilvy PR in Spain. Um, she's the very first chief storytelling officer in her country and I think for Ogilvy too not uh, worldwide. So so um, it's, a, it's a pretty cool move that these big PR firms are now um, creating that kind of position. So it, we had a really great chat about how communications has changed over the past 20 years and how we've moved from the push of the Mad Men advertising days to the as Ava put it, eye to eye engagement. And that is often through storytelling. It's one of the most effective ways to get eye to eye with your audience. Have a listen to to hear what Ava says about that, because it'll change your life. Um or definitely your communications anyway. Um so have a listen in the story powered on-demand library. It's also on iTunes if you want to download it as a podcast. Um, And so just check it out there and then you can get all the other story powered um, episodes that you missed there too. But don't do that right now, because you're going to want to hang out with with me now as we're going to talk to David Hutchins. And he is the author of the new book Circle of the Nine Muses, a storytelling field guide for innovators and meaning makers. So, David is an author, business writer, and learning designer who creates communication solutions for the Coca Cola Company, Walmart, IBM, GE, Nike, Bank of America, and others. He speaks to organizations and leadership teams all around the world on the topic of storytelling as an organizational capacity. His new book, Circle of the Nine Muses, a storytelling field guide for innovators and meaning makers, Mm -hmm. um, in partnership with Uh, is is the new is that is his new book I'm doing well I'm doing really well so I'm going to keep repeating that though because um, I think I'm stumbling on it because I I stayed up very late reading it last night so I highly recommend you do that Um, in partnership with the conference board he's creator and lead facilitator of the Team USA leadership experience at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs and he also facilitates the Apollo leadership experience at NASA's Johnson. Johnson Space Center in Houston. A nationally recognized developer of innovative learning products, David's newest product is Go Team, Powering Teams to Perform, a just in time team training resource. Go Team's library of 18 team-related topics allow you to build your learning agenda in your own organization tailored to your own team's needs. So he's obviously, and there's a lot more besides. So I'm looking forward to talking to David today because he's he's got a, a lot of great experience in working with organizations of all sizes and um in in terms of uh, introducing organizational learning, but also learning tools, which I look forward to hearing more about. David, welcome to Story Powered.
2: Thank you, Ian. Very happy to be here. I'm a huge fan of, you, of your work and your show.
1: Well, thank you so much. So tell us, what's your story? How did you, you get into Story? Why do you love it? Tell us more.
2: Um, so... Um, I'll start with a story in the year 1997, when I was a young learning designer uh, living in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, I developed a product for the Coca-Cola company that eventually led me deep into this work that is organizational narrative. And at the time, I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. And so the, the project that uh, Coca-Cola came to me with was that uh, at the time they were early in the journey of what was known as becoming a learning organization. And so if any of your listeners are familiar with uh, the body of knowledge that's organizational learning theory or the work of Peter Senge is, is articulated in his book, The Fifth Discipline. You know, it's a really... Uh, robust set of practices and frameworks that create this idea that an organization can learn collectively, right. yeah, and that learning can become even a competitive advantage. It's a it's a beautiful body of work, and Coca Cola was um, was one of the first organizations to say we're going to implement this across our entire system. Right. So they were yeah. um, you know they were visionary and early yeah. adopters, and. Early in the work, they ran into a problem, and that is that when they talked about organizational learning theory, nobody understood what they were talking about.:
1: Right. And the so, problem with being an early adopter sometimes, right? A challenge an early adopter
2: not the Yeah, especially uh, an early adopter working with some challenging and possibly abstract material, right? Right Yes.
1: You
2: know, if you 've read the fifth discipline you know i 'm kind of a geek. I, I get into that stuff but but some people find that it 's pretty meaty and it requires a lot of chewing right. um, and so you know as as a communications guy, they asked me for some help in creating a solution that could help people all throughout the system understand here 's what we 're talking about when we say we want to become a learning organization right. and so I developed a, a solution for them that was crazy uh, it, it's it's the the craziest solution I've ever delivered and uh, <laughs> I wrote a story, and I did this because i I really didn't know how else to describe a learning organization i mean I'd, I'd read the fifth discipline and I thought well that's that's as well as it can be described. and I thought, you know what, what would be helpful to me in embracing this idea? So I created a crazy story about a a flock of sheep that outwits a pack of hungry wolves, and oh, in the fun. process, they they become an, uh, a learning organization in the process, and they, they display many of the capabilities of, an, of a learning organization. And I I called a friend of mine who is a cartoonist, and I said I need you to draw me some some funny pictures so I can put it into this manuscript that I called Out Learning the Wolves, Surviving mm-hmm. and Thriving in a Learning Organization. Nice. And so uh, that book, the solution ended up not working uh, for the Coca-Cola company. Uh, one reason it didn't work was, I, I didn't know this, but at the time, just a couple weeks earlier, the CEO had delivered a speech to the entire system in which he said that the company needed to become more wolf-like. <laughs> <laughs> so he he used a wolf metaphor and then I oh, cast the wolf. No. As the antagonist in, in my metaphor. Wow. <laughs> so, consultants do your homework.
1: Yes. Um, well, and also it's it's often the case uh, uh, with story that we grab onto those things. I think it, it's it. There was maybe no coincidence there, <laughs> in a way, right? Uh, right. Yeah.
2: Some, there's some kind of synchronicity happening.
1: Yes, uh, absolutely.
2: So I, I brought the manuscript out, "Learning the Wolves," to a, a publisher who who bought it immediately and since then Outlearning the Wolves has been translated into more than a dozen languages and it was the beginning of a series of books called The Learning Fables which use talking animals and illustrations and crazy sarcastic humor to introduce this really robust body of theory that includes you know disciplines such as systems thinking and mental models and team learning uh, all in this series that is, that uses fables and stories. And so I was frankly caught off guard by the accidental success of these books. Right. And the fact that they continue to find an audience, a global audience, that includes uh, MBA programs and also fourth-grade classrooms. Right. And... Um, a lot of my work since the, the 1990s when I began the learning fables has been kind of backing it into that happy accident and saying, what happened there? What right. was it about these talking animals and these fanciful narratives that engaged people across all kinds of cultures and led them deep into an orga- a conversation around learning? Yeah. And so a lot of my work has been kind of unpacking that and in, in trying to understand that and then saying, how can we connect this to other urgent imperatives in our work and in our organization? So that's, that's my story that kind of led me into the world of organizational
1: storytelling. Wow. That's a really cool um, journey. And it also, I love it because... Um, you know, kind of the people have spoken. So it's it's um, sometimes in storytelling and, and in our, our world, we spend a lot of time trying to convince people that story is robust, that it's a, a great business tool, that it's it's effective. Um, in, in Well, personally, I think it's effective in everything, but I'm obsessed. So, um, <laughs> right. But right. we spend a lot of time talking about that. But I love the fact that people picked up what you did and made it their own before it was kind of a thing. Yeah, you know, a a,
2: a lot of storytellers and, and people who do this work begin with the justification. I, I think we, yeah. I think we think our audience wants us to prove it to them. So, you know, we yeah. start talking about the neuroscience and you know what's happening in the brain and oxytocin and mirror neurons. If you've heard all those those theories,
1: yeah, yeah. absolutely. And,
2: and what you just said is so right on. The fastest way to engage people in the power of storytelling, maybe it's to tell them a the story. Yeah. And then yeah. invite them to notice their own reaction and then invite them to tell you a story and then collectively start doing something with those stories. Start yeah. digging into them. Start parsing some meaning out of them. Yeah, um, even in the book, Circle of the Nine Muses, um, you know, I felt the temptation to begin with a long first chapter on justifying why story and why does yeah. it work yeah and I, I ended up taking that out because I, I wanted to bring people quickly into the practice yes. where yeah. the why question kind of answers itself
1: that's a great perspective and then and also just going back to um you know the learning fables so uh another thing that we do is we kind of try to avoid the use of the word story, and we all do it, and I, I use it, I love the word, and I unashamedly, unashamedly use it, but I I do find myself when I'm public speaking or in training, I, I use the word narrative or try and stay away from it, when in fact, interestingly, and and part of the reason we do that is because we worry, uh, especially in North America, we worry about the affinity with children's stories, and we're trying to appear grown up and business-like and all that. Um, but it's so interesting that the learning fables, you used animal characters and you use characters that are normally associated with children's stories and they were still taken seriously. So was that a surprise? Uh,
2: that was a surprise. And I, I don't know if you can always get away with that.
1: No. Uh, in this
2: case, because it's a body of theory that, that some find kind of dense and challenging, yeah. uh, the, the disarming approach of having such a, a, a simple simple entry point into the material seemed to work well it, it seemed okay. to provide really
1: nice contrast but you don't maybe want to stay there um, I don't know I wonder it's an interesting idea right because and then I, it's I'm not saying they're the only stories I just find it interesting that that um, that we worry a lot about not just the justification, but also the appearance of and and kind of think a lot about. and and you know, again, in the business world, they like data. So coming with in with some um, sheeps and wolves may seem like a weird thing, right? But okay. the thing that I like about, it, and I guess the re- the thing I'm just wondering, and it's more a curiosity, um, is that those characters, they tie to something in our human memory, they tie. So they tie to what we're used to in terms of story. And so I can imagine they were very powerful because people could immediately go right there. They understood the characters, and so they could get to the learning faster, maybe.
2: There, there's something archetypal about those characters. I mean, you yeah. know, a flock of sheep with a pack of wolves that wants to eat them. I mean, they're, right. you know, there's, there's death if we don't yeah. learn. Yeah.
1: And, um, and so we just, know that already because we have yeah. had enough history of stories telling us that, right?
2: So d- despite the jokes, there there's some serious currents flowing through this little fable that connect with us uh, at a very right. deep level, and, and we feel that.
1: Right, We we,
2: right. we all feel vulnerable in this complex, volatile, uncertain marketplace. Right. We're all scared of getting eaten. We, we, <laughs> yes. We intuitively know what that fear feels like.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's and true. So the
2: metaphor connects to that.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's just an interesting one for everybody to consider. And again, like you say, I wouldn't stay there too and use it all the time, but it's an interesting idea, especially when you're introducing new um, story into your organization. um, These seem like really great tools to use. Um, So tell me though, for your new book then, how did you get to the Circle of the Nine Muses? Like how did you decide on that title?
2: Um, It's funny because in the book, I, I actually provide only the barest explanation of the title. There, there's one place where I allude to the title, and um, you know, for, for all the same reason that we were saying that metaphor works in fables, I, I like the idea of a slightly ambiguous title that prompts people to say, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does that connect? And I've already gotten some of that over Facebook and over Twitter, where people they're not asking what it means, they're telling me what it means. They're saying, Oh, I studied mythology and mm-hmm. I know all about the nine muses and yeah. how they were the source of wisdom and knowledge and how they passed on collective meaning making uh through mm-hmm. the use of stories and how um you know in in, in one culture I, I think it was Pythagoras uh, recommended creating a, a shrine to the nine muses in the, the middle of the public square so it could be a place where people would gather and tell stories and in that way create meaning and, and elevate the arts and the sciences. And so people are, are reaching out to me and they're telling me the stories of what it means. And in most cases, I'm going, yeah, that's kind of where I was coming from also. And, and some people are bringing additional parts of the history to the nine muses that, you know, they're, there, the mother of the nine muses was, um, oh, I can't remember her, her name. Uh, I, I can't remember, but she's, she's the goddess of memory. Right. I didn't know that. I, I didn't wow, know that part of the story. cool. So, so the story oh, is now getting awesome. bigger as my readers are engaging with the idea and they're bringing me more information about it. So, so oh, yeah, okay. that's kind of the idea behind it. That's wonderful.
1: You know, it's, and it's not, you know, and, and those are some of the, the most epic stories that we have is the stories of the gods. And um, so that's a really great connection. And I love that people are engaging with you on it. They're almost co-creating a story about your book.
2: You know, it, it's, it's funny because uh, editors at publishers mm-hmm. don't love titles like this because no. you know, you, we, you know, you, no one is searching for nine muses in mm-hmm. the Google search bar. Yeah. So, you know from that point of view it's not a great title uh but in terms of engagement and creating conversation and prompting people to search the the back alleys of their memories to start making some meaning making connections i think it's a, i think the title works
1: I do too, and also, like you say, you're moving into meaning making, and so. Um, and by the way, everybody, it's a beautiful book. Like it is, it's it's not just full of pack, you know, full of um, great story activities and and exercises, but it's it's a really beautiful book. So um, I highly recommend you check it out. So, but we're moving from story to meaning making, and I'm wondering, um, can you say a little bit about what you? what you're talking about when you talk about meaning-making. We've got a couple minutes to the break, and I wanted to just kind of cover that so everybody knows what we're talking about in the next section.
2: Meaning-making is the next step after storytelling. And uh, I always tell people that when you tell a story, that's not the end of the conversation. A story is always the beginning of a conversation, which... You know, surprises some folks because a lot of people are saying, hey, tell, give me a story that I can use in fundraising so that people will write a check. You know, pe- people want a story to get some specific result so they can move on. And um, story isn't transactional. You don't tell a story like pressing a button to get it. You know, it's not stimulus response. Right. You tell a story because when we do that, that story is loaded with information, uh, including mental models and hidden assumptions that we don't even know are in there. Uh, they're incredibly efficient containers of meaning. So once we tell the story, there's a whole lot of work that the team is set up to do in, in, in talking about that story and saying, what does that story reveal about us? What do we know about us because of that story? Where does that story take us? How does that story connect with the future story that we want to create? How does my story individually and how do my highest aspirations connect with that story? So once the story is told, um, you know, much of the book, uh, Circle of the Nine Muses, focuses on all those activities that can happen after the story is told, to bring the team together and start using it as a a, a potent force of movement and alignment in the organization so that it can start bringing people forward together that's meaning making
1: I love it and I have to say that it, it um, you really have um, kind of brought a, a term I, I often call it digging in but it's 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 not just that it's actually especially in, in terms of an organization working together in a team in a collaborative um uh, exercise in terms of that's why story for me is so important within organizations and it's a great learning tool is because that collective process of of um, finding the current meaning, meaning and shaping a new meaning is just it's gold. It is such a wonderful process. So, thank you so much, David, for sharing that. It's uh, I'm looking really looking forward to. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in the next segment. But we're also going to talk about organizational learning. So, if you're kind of wondering what the heck is organizational learning, we're going to we're going to talk a little bit more um, in in the next bit about what that means and how story relates to it. So, don't go away. We'll be back in just a minute.
0: comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network activate and grow your storytelling superpower with leanne pico of very good stories stories inspire stories engage and stories move people to action it's pretty powerful stuff Story Coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. If you want to learn how to be a better leader, increase your level of business performance, and motivate your team and organization more effectively, listen for Performing at Your Best, Mindset Evolution with Luis Vicente Garcia. Luis Vicente and his guests will share their expertise and enthusiasm in helping you to succeed. It's combining that drive with business skills that will do just that. Tune in live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at VeryGoodStories.com. Now, back to Story Powered.
1: Hi, welcome back. Uh, Glad to have you here. I'm Leanne Pico, your host, and I'm chatting today with David Hutchins, the author of Circle of the Nine Muses, a storytelling field guide for innovators and meaning makers. Um, Like I told you before the break, I highly recommend the book. It has a lot of how in it, and sometimes... um, you know, we talk a lot about story and and um, it seems like a, some kind of uh, mystical thing that can happen. But in actual fact, it's very practical. And uh, for any of you who are um, either HR people or leaders in your organizations, I recommend you check it out because it is actually it provides step by step um processes for making activities happen so um, to me it's it's a it's a very useful tool for your organization but also for you as a leader um sometimes you know we don't always know quite what we're doing in terms of how to take a team from one place to another and, and the concept of meaning making and creating a new story is a, is a powerful way to do that. So um, so now we're going to talk a little bit about organizational learning. So David and I have been kind of throwing that term around and David mentioned um, Peter Senge earlier and uh, he is kind of the father and they coined the term organizational learning. Um, I'm at a slight disadvantage. I'm actually um, doing my master's in education and my next course, is creating a learning organization and so I haven't read Peter Senge's book yet and I was thinking just before the show that I should have waited like a few weeks because then I would have sounded really clever so uh, instead I'm going to rely on my clever guest so so David I'm sorry I can't help you a huge amount here but uh, can you tell us what is organizational learning in layman's terms and and how is it and why is it important related to story?
2: Um, the The idea is, what if we could learn together collectively i mean it's it, it's really that simple and also that difficult and w- what are the the practices and the disciplines that would enable that to happen and out of that simple question has come this very profound and robust body of of theory and and disciplines known as organizational learning theory. Um, So in the book Circle of the Nine Muses, one of the, the processes that I present is it's a storyboarding process. And storyboarding is where you you present, you know, it's used in innovation work a lot, um, you know, where you actually create almost like a comic strip drawing a series of frames that show a problem being solved or, or show some future event. And uh, I like to use it in strategy work. So, and, and I'm, I'm going to connect this back to organizational learning in a moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but when I bring teams together, you know, to to say to the team, you know, the the team should be, should help articulate this strategy message. You know, what does the way forward look like? How do we execute on the goals? What do you say that journey looks like? And they storyboard that out using archetypal movements from, uh, the, you know, the, the good old, uh, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. And so, uh, as teens articulate that future strategy message and they go through the, the stages of the, that framework, if you're familiar with it, you know what is the call who's the mentor uh, an interesting thing happens when we talk about the the obstacle or the dragon and you know, in, you know that's the Darth Vader you know what, what's the thing that's preventing us collectively from getting what we want and most people will start with the competition. You know, there's another company out there that's taking our customers. So, you know, most teams start by externalizing it. The conversation typically, after you give it some time, will start turning internal. And teams start talking about their own beliefs and their own assumptions and their own mental models, and how the ways we think about the world are preventing us from seeing opportunity that could otherwise be available to us. And to me, that's the ultimate journey of organizational learning. Um, One of the secrets of the book, Outlearning the Wolves, uh, if you read that book, imagine that the wolves are a metaphor for your own thinking. That's the key to unlocking that that story. The wolves are right. your thoughts. Right. And so organizational learning gives us a way of going inside of ourselves and saying what's happening in our, in our minds and how we make sense of the world and how are we shortchanging ourselves and then how can we have a conversation about that because that's hard stuff to talk about. Yeah. You know, our, our, th- our thoughts are invisible. Our, our biases and our mental models are invisible to us. I feel like I see everybody else's, but I don't see my own,
1: you know? It's much more complex to see our own. But the other thing that we do and that we often don't know is we create, uh, and going back to the idea of meaning making, is when we are um, in an organization or in any kind of group, we create stories about people. So we have our own stories that we're kind of, grappling with and internal stories and personal stories of history and all sorts of things. But then we also make up stories about other people. And that's why the um, organizational learning, I think is such a, um, a crucial piece because it is a collective activity. It is something that recognizing that we all need to learn together. Um, but, you know, the, the bit around story that it brings, I think is that collectivity and the, the collaborative um, story being created because, you know, you could you could watch the same person, you could watch a leader will say one thing and 15 people in the room tell a different story about what that leader has just said. And often we don't check. Like you say, it's one of the hardest things. So we don't check that our, our interpretation of, of the story that we've created in our minds is true. We don't check what they actually meant. We don't check um, maybe they're not in a good mood that day and it's not personal or, or whatever it is. So the organizational learning takes it above our personal. I mean, it's our personal stuff is included, but it takes it to a place where we can actually get together and create. And I think, I um, did talk about creating a community, right? And and what do we do in communities? We tell each other stories.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and so the, the the ultimate destination of of story work is creating the community or. You know, that that shrine to the nine muses in the town square where we can come together um, and in a shared way begin presenting our stories and then hearing one another and then having the conversations about, you know, Leanne, in that story you told, I heard something. Mm -hmm. And then you can say, oh, that's funny. I, I didn't know that was in there. I heard something else. But that connects with what you said, and so then we start having this conversation. Of course, we see this breakdown all the time. Yeah. You know, I, I I live in the deep south of the United States. I'm I'm sitting in in Nashville, Tennessee, um, as I talk to you today. This is my home, and you know the this story has broken down recently around the symbolism of the Confederate flag.
1: Right. You yes.
2: Know, I, I I don't know if you heard that up in, in I did. Canada. Yeah.
1: Big news. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, and so it's different groups saying, here's what this symbol represents. And another group says, we assign a different meaning to the symbol. Mm, and the first mm-hmm. well, the meaning you assign is not the meaning we assign. And the meaning we assign is correct. And it creates this, this, uh, incredible polarization of groups as they, as they latch on to their meaning. And now meaning making is used as a club to hit each other over the head, Mm -hmm. as opposed to create some better way of coming together and and say, let's talk about meaning and the meaning we create, and let's talk about a future meaning. What's What's a future story that, regardless of whether we want to fly that flag or not, what's a future story that we all wish we could live into?
1: Nice. And okay. thank you for that example, because that's a really easy one for us to, to grab onto. And it and it leads me back to, you know, when you were talking about the storyboarding or whether we use story circles or storyboarding or some process, there's something, and this is why um, I love doing the story work. And, and, I, and I, I think it's um, across the board for all, a lot of us, which is when you when you do these activities that are included in your book, things like storyboarding, watching the process of uncovering meaning and then crafting new meaning and then moving forward together with a shared meaning and a shared story it has to be one of the most exciting processes I I just it's such a buzz watching people uh, be able to create that new story isn't it it's amazing it's 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 what I look I watch and I go this is this is this is our humanity right here the fact that we can do this is amazing
2: yeah, it's it's the most exciting part of story work because I, I, I hear a lot of story work that you know is is almost executive presentation skills right know, how to yes. tell a better story and and how to really capture your your audience and, and that's important I I have plenty of yeah. that in the book as well but yes. that's that's not the where you want to land once you tell that beautiful story you're you're just getting started yes. um, you were saying earlier that you don't you know there's problems with the word story. And I agree with that. I think there's problems with the word telling as well, Mm -hmm. the the telling part of storytelling. Because it creates this impression that it's a one-way transaction. You you, you almost imagine a storyteller on a stage with a microphone and then an audience who, who applauds politely at the end. You know the yeah. transaction has been completed, and so i do I don't—I'm not crazy about the word storytelling. We seem to be stuck with it because everyone keeps using it. So I, I use it as well, uh, but that's why I put meaning making in the the, the subtitle of the book. Yeah. You know, what what if instead of storytelling, what if we called it story making? Yes. Or what if we called it sense listening? Absolutely. You know, why, why don't we make up a new word that that gets to the 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 more significant part of the process, more than half of the work happens after the story is done, and so yeah, that that's what Circle of the Nine Muses is about.
1: Yeah, and I agree with the the storytelling. I rarely, I try not to use it very much, and I am stubborn. I still use story, but whether people understand me or not, I don't know. <laughs> so, but that's kind of the premise with Story Powered was it's kind of like you know, story powers all of our interactions, and so. You know, organizationally, personally, all over the place. So, um, I'm very glad you brought that up because it isn't a one-way street. And and yes, it's um, a, a great marketing tool. Yes, it's a great presentation tool, leadership tool. It's a way of enabling people to understand what you mean quickly which is, is amazing, and I love all that too. Um, but one of the things that's worrying is thinking about people, you know, I've read an article this week um, curated by Karen Dietz, who is in your book, awesome and amazing um, story person. Um, it was a great article, but it was talking about the death of storytelling, that it's already over, and the data is coming back. And, and I was just, I really struggled with that, because I just thought, no, there's so much more. We have not even started yet. Story in organizations, so this is why I was so glad to talk to you about it today, because there's so much depth to how we can use story, and it's already there, we're not imposing something new, people are already telling stories in organizations, right?
2: Yeah, Yeah. you know, in in, in a way, I I won't shed a tear when the the death is finally here, (laughs) because there's No, there's, there's the fad part of this. No, it it is management buzzword now. Um, and and that's fine. You know, we, we all need those, those buzzwords, you know, some way of framing a collective conversation before we move on to something else. Um, and and once we're no longer in the spotlight, then we can roll up our sleeves and, and get to work. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of story consultants right now, and I've, I've even heard people say that the field is getting crowded, and it's not. It's not getting no. crowded. We are all story workers. Yes. Uh, there, there's room for much, much more, and we're, we're, the work isn't done. The, the work has barely started. The opportunity for bringing together different groups in your organization or different groups in your neighborhood or different groups in your, uh, in your government in your church, in your yeah. family, to come together and say, let's let's talk about the story. Let's talk about the story that we're creating, and let's find a better way to do that.
1: Yes. It, and like you say, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's I mean, pe- yeah. people are using it in community development. We're using it in conflict resolution. Like, this is not just about marketing or or speaking presentations this is bigger so i totally hear you when you say you know it it's fine with the fat but i have to tell you this is um, this is show 34 of story powered and so i've had and i had a couple repeats so let's say i've had 30 guests mm-hmm. every single one of you has a different take on the work that you're doing in story. Like this is why I am just I I want to do this for the rest of my life because I I feel like <laughs> I could because there are so many different ways people and and um you know creative ways and clever ways and and um thoughtful ways that people are using story and doing story work. Like it is it's incredible the richness of and the variety of the ways that we use story.
2: And there's room for more. Everybody oh, is welcome. More board
1: yeah it'd be like saying it's a little bit like saying you know what like we have like four advertising companies that's enough eh? we don't need any more we don't need any more people doing advertising (laughs) right right like any field it's a new field so it might feel crowded because some people felt like they were the first and I guess I could I can totally see that but um, for me I want everybody using story I think everybody in the world should use it
2: yeah, or like saying, there's, you know, there's already a few firms out there talking about dialogue. So right. dialogue is, or or there's some yeah. people out there working
1: on peace in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we've got enough of that. we got yeah. enough of that. Yeah, because it's working. It's so true. It's so true. Now, um, you know, we've got a couple minutes to break. I just wanted to, to talk a little bit about... Um, your innovators, because we've talked about the meaning makers, and uh, why did you throw innovators in there in this story, in the title of your book?
2: Um, typically, when I work with groups uh, in, in the realm of story, we we typically will start with some story circles where we bring teams together and groups together, and we'll we'll tell stories about you know our excellence or our values in action or our origin and identity stories uh, that, you know, that, that founded the organization or the team. And so we, we'll spend a lot of time telling these stories which are historical. I mean, we're, we're telling stories about things that have already happened, yeah. right? A lot of stories that we tell are, you know, let me tell you what happened at work yesterday or over the dinner table. Let me tell you about a meeting I had. So it's easy to tell stories that are in the past, that are behind us. Uh, the the opportunity of story work is to use that, uh, you know, the story creates a trajectory. There's a movement. And if we stay with that momentum, it, it, it flings us into the future. If we can complete the arc of that story so that it's no longer in the, the past and it doesn't stop at the present, but it leads us into the future we can begin having conversations about where does the story go next? What? Right. How do we tell a story about something that hasn't happened yet? How do you tell a story about a good idea that nobody has had yet? Right. You know, that's, you know, that's, the, that's the compelling opportunity here. Can story help us see the things that we can't currently see? So that's where the innovation Work in story comes. Um, you know, it, organizations uh, are are all talking about innovation right now. You know, we, we have to keep delivering new value. You know, we you know value has become become commoditized, and once we deliver something valuable, there'll be a lot of other groups delivering it too. We have to keep coming up with new value. How do you do that when you can't see it yet? Yeah. You know, the the mind doesn't want to to go out into the. In, the space where things don't exist it's too amorphous and so again story becomes a very powerful tool that can start giving shape to those things that don't exist yet
1: perfect and then the other part it does make me laugh because a lot of um, organizations look outside of themselves for innovation they want someone pay a lot of money to a consultant to come and find it for them when in actual fact if, if they uh, harvested their customer stories and their employee stories and their um, their partner stories they would find innovation in the so much innovation is there so I'm so glad that, y- that you talked about that David so so now we're going to take another break um, but before we go I wanted to tell you that you can get um, David's book on amazon.com So it is Circle of the Nine Muses, a storytelling field guide for innovators and meaning makers. And it's for anybody wanting to help their organization learn, grow, change, shift. Um, But it's also for those of you who are new leaders and are thinking about how to uh, take your teams forward in a healthy way. Highly recommend it. So check that out on Amazon. And we'll be back in just a moment.
0: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower.
1: What is the Serve Hour? Well, to start... It's a different kind of listening experience. It's one that involves you. Host Jim Blackburn and his engaging guests in some very provocative and opinion-shaping conversations you'll hear and be invited to participate in that will challenge traditional beliefs about management and today's workplace. Also, these conversations will help you look at yourself and your work differently. Make it your business to tune into Voice America Business for The Serve Hour, live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time. It will shake you awake.
2: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go, on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered.
1: Hey, welcome back. I'm Leanne and I am chatting today with David Hutchins, author of The Circle of the Nine Muses, a story- storytelling field guide for innovators and meaning makers. Um, so before the before the break, we were chatting a lot about um, meaning making and about collective story and creating um ways to to tell our story together as an organization and and you know we're talking about organizational learning and and sometimes um I think that we put like big quotations around that and and it is great that it the the point the term was coined and that we we think of it as a thing but what I did want to say is it happens all the time whether we want to or not people in our organizations are learning stuff so when you pay attention and you, you um, guide people through the learning and move them forward in a way that enables people to learn together, that's where the strength is. So, um, you know, I, I want to be careful because I think recently people have been talking about like, oh, organizational learning so dead. It's not. It's always there. It's just, do you have a handle on it? Are you moving it forward? And are you creating um, an environment where you can Uh, get the most out of your staff. And so we're talking today about story being a very cool tool um, to do that. And I don't just mean cool as in uh, trendy, as we talked about before, but it's very cool as in it's one of the most fun ways that you can, effective ways that you can work with your team. So David, like we're going to, I want to talk now about um, the how. So, and your book is all about the how, Um, So tell us, like, how do we start digging into this? How do we start um, utilizing story as as an organizational learning tool?
2: When I work with my uh, organizational partners, I tell them that we are working on a culture change in which we are fostering the role of their team members as interpretive community. So... The, the role of the team is to continually exercise a, list, a story listening and then drawing out meaning. And this is a capability that I think we all have it, but we don't exercise it. Um, yeah. And so, you know, in organizational learning theory, there's a, 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 a discipline known as mental models, and there's a, 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 a well-known framework that is the, la- the ladder of inference, which shows how we come to our beliefs about the world by, uh, you know, observing a a world of data, selecting certain data, assigning meaning to the data, uh, drawing conclusions, making assumptions, and then as we climb up this ladder of meaning, pretty soon we have these beliefs about the world, these self-reinforcing beliefs that become very difficult to challenge. And so there's a lot of work in helping people go back down that ladder and, recognizing, so what was the meaning you assigned? What right. were some assumptions you made? What conclusions did you draw? And what a lot of people have found is that that is a difficult conversation. It, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it doesn't always go well. I know some people who are very good at facilitating that, but it—you it, know if I said, Leanne, what, what are your invisible assumptions? Mm-hmm. Well, then you don't know. You can't tell me. Because they're invisible, right? Right. Um, So story, I find, is a faster and more intuitive way into those conversations. And so when we bring teams together in these story circles, where they'll take turns telling stories, the next part of that experience is to do some meaning-making. And there are several constructs that help teams do this. And the, the basic idea is give the listener a job. So, you know, I, I do this all the time at the at the dinner table with my kids. You know, I'll, I'll tell them a story and I'll say, well, I'm going to tell you all about a, a conference call I was on today and see if you can identify the part of the story where Daddy felt really embarrassed. <laughs> well, as soon Thanks. as I asked that question, now I've created this anticipation and now they're leaning forward listening yeah. to my story like I'm the greatest storyteller in the world, and, and I'm not. It, it's, you know, I'm just telling a story, but I've get, now they're actively engaged in searching through the content of the story. Oh, for some, I love it. And I do this with teams all the time. Um, yeah. You can do this overtly. So today we're here to talk about innovation. So in the story that Joe tells, at the end, I want you to talk back to me. What did you hear in that story that says something about how we approach innovation here. Ah, well, now now we've given some shape and some substance to the listening. Now we've given the listener a role. Uh, There are several constructs. Uh, In the book, uh, I I reached out to Paul Costello, to um, Cynthia Kurtz, uh, to Mary Alice Arthur, all expert storytellers and expert knowledge workers, and they all shared some similar constructs using some different language. Um, you know, Paul Costello says that there is a geography of meaning. So he says meaning is spatial. When we hear a story, there are several stances from which we can position ourselves to begin drawing meaning. Uh, and we can do that from... Behind the story, and that is listening for the intent of the storyteller or the personality or the identity of the storyteller. What does the storyteller bring with them as they tell the story? So listen from behind the the story. From within the story, now we're talking about what's in the story text. You know what? What did you notice happen inside the story? When did you hear conflict in the story? When did you hear something change? So there's a series of questions that allow that allow the team to start talking about what's inside the story. And then the the third geography is in front of the story. How does that story connect to us? What does that story tell us about who we are? What What did that story connect to for you? What did you think of? What can we draw from that story that could help us moving forward? So, you know, I use one construct that that I I describe in the book uh, that that Mary, Mary Alice Arthur talks about called the harvester witness construct. If we have groups of three people, one person will tell a story, one person will be the harvester, and one person will be the witness. The witness, after the story, the witness provides feedback. Here's what I noticed about you, Leanne, as you told the story. You know, I, right. I noticed that you become very passionate when you talk about your team members. Right. Or I, I noticed that you have a quiet authority about you that makes me trust you. I mean, it's, it's, so it's feedback about the person. Yes. Or the experience. Or it can be feedback about us. I noticed that my heart started racing when you talked about a customer call that went bad. Right. I noticed I became really engaged. So the, it's the story phenomenon, the, the event. Then the, the witness, or that's the witness, the harvester says, I heard something in your story, Leanne. I think that was really a story about trust you'll go, really? Wow. Now that you say that, you're right. It is a story about trust. Well, yeah, and it made me think of some other things as well. So the the harvester starts pulling out the meaning that's within the story. And we can do this within rounds. And it's a very simple construct. It's as easy as what I just said. And people are often surprised to find how easily they're able to step into that meaning-making role. And even perhaps more transformative is the effect on the storyteller. You know, the, the teller tells the story. Now the harvester and the witness are bringing all this meaning back to the teller, and it's, it's emotionally overwhelming for the teller. Wow, I didn't know that I was heard. I, I'm not used to being heard like that. Yeah. I'm not used to being understood. I'm not used to having people join with me like that. And so it can be a, 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 a really profound experience for folks. So that's one simple construct, the harvester witness model, for bringing a small group of people into a meaning-making story session. And it's really easy to do. You, you could do it at lunch yeah. with friends today
1: well and and thank you for that and you know unfortunately we've only got a, a few minutes until till we finish but I wanted to make some meaning out of that a, example because um, often what we do is we create meetings we rather than meaning and so we sit in meetings and we talk and, and kill the um, you know um, the the storyteller with um you know, just like meeting, a meeting arrangement is different. Tell us what happened on that call in a meeting of 10 people looking down the table in judgment, possibly, or that's how we interpret it. It's very different from three people set up with roles to listen, to work towards a constructive Finale. That's a very different and, and much, much more powerful tool. I can, I can totally see how that would work so much better. And it also creates some trust between the three of them, right?
2: Yeah. And the role of the leader is to be host to this experience. What right. I just described doesn't happen on its own. It does happen when we go out for drinks at night. A little bit it happens. You know, we'll start yeah. telling stories. We won't do meaning making. But it doesn't happen in meetings. And so the leader needs to design a meeting for this and be purposeful and say, this is a different kind of conversation. Yeah. Something different is going to happen today. And again, yeah. a lot of my work is empowering leaders and showing leaders how to create that, that better kind of meaning-making conversation.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And I like the way you've called it hosting. Uh, because again, it's not chairing, it's not leading, it's hosting. And um, you know, I've done story circles with organizations too, and, and we call it story sharing. Like we even just get rid of the word meeting altogether. Um, so thank you so much, David. That's that's amazing. And so now you've got everybody. You've got some some great things to get on with. But again, um, in terms of helping you prepare and get ready with the how, I highly recommend you get David's book. Um, David, thanks so much for being today, being here today. This was fun. I thank you for. It was uh, really fun. It was great. So remember, if you want to bring more story to your organization, but you don't know exactly how to do that, um, you need to get David's book. It's full of amazing stuff um, from David's work, but also as he's pointed out, from all sorts of very, very clever story folks. Some of whom have been guests on this show, and then others I'm going to be, I'm going to be following David's list and, and harassing to come and be guests now. So it is called Circle of the Nine Muses: A Storytelling Field Guide for Innovators and Meaning Makers, and you can get that on Amazon. You can also connect with David if you want to talk to him about working with your business or your organization at david at davidhutchins.com. So next week, I'll be chatting with Claire Taylor, co-founder and managing director of the Story Mill in the UK. Um, Claire is also the author of The Tao of Storytelling. And we're going to talk about extracting the wisdom from our own personal stories. So today we're talking a lot about story listening organizationally. We're going to talk about it on a personal level next week. So I also wanted to let you know that I'm working on a new project at the moment that will be, um, that may be of interest to you. I'm creating an online story community called the Story Powered Institute. Similar to the radio show, it will be a place to talk story, think story and grow story. Because as we know, story makes the world a better place. Um, So if you want to get on the launch list and be the first to know about the Story Powered Institute, you can email me at leanne at verygoodstories.com. So, Story Powered is on every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks so much for joining me, Leanne Pico, and Story Powered. I will see you next week with more story.
0: Thank you for joining us this week for Story Powered. Leanne Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help take your story and your business to the next level.